When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood for the BF Goodrich TAKM3. Built to climb, made to mud and created to conquer. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres. What are you building for? I'm Patrick Dangerfield. Alongside me, Aaron Hapgood. Massive show coming your way this morning of Real Adventures Redmond. You can join us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventures Show. And Redmond, as soon as we give away a prize or offer something up... People like us. People love free stuff. <laughs> Simple. People like us. Our, uh, our squid giveaway... And you would have noticed during the week that uh, we posted some photos around if you've been inked or you've been squitted on by a squid or someone sort of directed the uh, the cephalopod your way, um, you can win yourself a, a real brand hoodie. But we're going to have to add to it, Redmond. We're going to have to give away a few more hats and prizes during the week because there's been so many photos sent through and some absolute ripping ones. Some good ones. So if you want to join in the conversation, you want your chance to win. The best photo wins basically each week uh, to win a real brand hoodie. And we're going to add some hats to it. So we're going to give away more than just one prize to, to just one post. Um, head to Real Brand. Um, Real brand. Real adventures. Head to Real Adventures <laughs> on, um, on our Facebook page. Massive week of fishing, Redmond. It was, and uh, ask me how I went on the whiting, Pat. Well, I know, because we've spoken about it, but you had a really tough few days, which has been fascinating. There's yeah. no one that catches more whiting in Port Phillip Bay than you, but you had a three-day period last weekend that was really tough going. So, I spoke on radio a few weeks ago, Pat, and basically said the whiting are going to be the best they're going to be. Well, it's safe to say... I was wrong. <laughs> no, long story short, I didn't know that we were going to get the cold front that we had. We usually have a, a – autumn's usually great weather. Yeah. And it's usually a steady roll into winter of temperature slightly dropping. The whiting go mad, literally mad for a month straight. April uh, – sorry, April into June yeah. is literally crazy. And it's not – it's been freezing. I went out, I went out fishing, and the, we, you and I headed out a couple of weeks ago, and the water temp was 14 degrees. I headed out after this blow that we've had, and the water, down at, well, not quite Queenscliff, up north of Queenscliff, so St. Leonard's to Queenscliff, yep. was 11.4 degrees. So that's just I've never seen it drop. It just, I don't know where the whiting are. I, I think that they're still there. I just don't know if this has put a shock into the ballpark and they've just stopped feeding. I also had bad tides too, which yep. which really hurt. Yep. And both in one go. Three days, I didn't catch one whiting from, and I say Port Phillip Bay Head. So where I do all my winter fishing yep. is around there when the cold weather comes because the ocean's warmer and we get the big King George whiting. And it's a little, little bit more protected. And it times. is protected on those westerly winds, yep. northwesterly winds in there, which we had as well. So I fished all through there as well. Didn't catch a fish. Then I went up to Queenscliff, 
didn't catch a fish. I fished all of St. Leonard's in close, out wide, Mud Island. I did five and a half hours each day, so that's fishing both tides yep. for three days, sorry, and I did not catch one whiting. I had some other good fishermen out too that I'm friends with for working together, three of us each day, same guys. Did None of us caught a whiting together. No, this was all on an incoming tide in the morning because of the wind. We didn't yep. fish the outgoing. Yep. That could be just the difference, but three days in a row, <laughs> nothing. Does that lead into your early gaff? of the I've show? I've retired from fishing. <laughs> Does that lead into your early gaff of the show of... Uh, of weather? Feels like. Well, now, if you're wherever you are right now, don't know if you're driving, but if you're listening, go to your phone and go to the Weather Zone app and look at your temperature. And I think it says current temperature, it might say this time of the morning, it might say about five degrees. Who decides the feel like underneath, Pat? Who actually decides feels like? So it's five degrees, but feels like... Well, you were out the other day and you missed me. You said it's, it's 11 degrees, but it feels like 5.4. 5. 5.34. 5. <laughs> Honestly, who is the guy that decides it? Is it? Is it? Do they have to have clothes on? Do they walk outside and go, hmm, no, take my jacket off? Yep, no, that feels like 4. Or do they have a jacket on? No, that's 5.6 now. Hold who decides four. it? Who actually decides it? Jane, Can you answer it for me? Jane Bunn's husband, I think. Does he, is he, has he got clothes on? Or he no clothes on? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, Victoria's first swordfish tag, yes. Redmond. Richie um, Abala, we had him on the show, what do you reckon? Probably three weeks a month ago. back, yeah. Yep, months ago. Um, so if you want to hear our uh, hear any of our podcasts that have already been, uh, head to iTunes and you can listen to, you can select the, the follow, uh, follow us, uh, all aboard, you can whip around, you can select whatever you uh, want to listen to. And Richie, we had a fantastic chat regarding his boat, game fishing and what he does. And he was uh, one of the one of the fellas that went out with, uh, well, was on his boat, so uh, Dr. Tracy, Sean Tracy, I think his name is, uh, headed out with Richie on his boat and they chased... Richie Clint uh, Adlington. Yep. And it's part of a collaborative study between the VFA and the University of Tasmania. Um, it's funded by our Victorian fishing fee, so we've actually paid for it. Yeah. It's our fish, if you think about it that way. Um, tag two fish, 190 kilos, and the other 270. An absolute monster. Richie's been going fantastic on these swordfish and... That's to, to tag a fish of that size, 270 kilo, throwing around a um, samurai sword off his nose. That's a pretty good effort. Well done to that crew who was um, all a part of that. That's uh, I've, that's going to be very interesting. And well, two, 270 days, the tag stays in for. Yep. Um, and at that point, it'll dislodge and it'll then float to the ocean surface, uh, surface. And then from there, it automatically transmits the data via satellite to the researchers at uh, the University of Tassie. So it'll be fascinating to see oh, just, be, just where they go to. Well, we, there was a there was a research bit of research that came out, um, results some results that followed them from all of Tasmania. I think they, they had all names. There was numerous swordfish from all around the coast. And yep. these swordfish were travelling up to like top of New Zealand. I think it's New Caledonia up that way. Yep. Uh, yep. Right up the top of there, all the way back down to Tassie. Like it's some of the kilometres they do is beyond incredible. Like yeah. Gladiator of the Sea, you'd probably say they're... Oh, they're, they're without doubt. They're, if you ask any game fisherman, that is the pinnacle, isn't it? Swordfish. Speaking of Gladiator of the Sea, this is off track a bit, but I watched the Meg during the week for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon it still exists? No. No, I don't. No. Not even past that layer? Uh, I don't think so, no. Okay, sorry. What's your, <laughs> well, you brought it up. No, because I saw Trapman, you... Trapman Bermagui during the week, or last week, he posted some photos of the... So-called the Meg's t- like tooth, like fossilized teeth of it. Yeah, yeah and people reckon enormous. they're still people reckon they're still finding teeth. 
Well, fossilised teeth. Fossilised teeth. What's your, give us your top three shark movies of all time. Oh, shark movies of all time. I reckon they're all pretty rubbish, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'll, I'll I can't you, have the fakeness of it. I'll give you my favourite, Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea. I can't remember. Which one's that one? The genetically modified Mako sharks in a pen in the middle of the ocean. No, I haven't seen it. All of a sudden, they're smart. I'll write it down. All of a sudden, they're, <laughs> all of a sudden they're smarter than human. Great movie. I can't believe you've never seen it. How are we talking about movies right now? Deep Blue Sea, Jaws. Jaws is good, but that's old and fake now. Yeah, but you know, I know, was, but I struggle. I actually struggle watching older movies. Like I really struggle. I think the Meg actually comes in third. That's how bad shark movies are going. <laughs> You're going to ask me something about knots. I am. I am. I am. Sorry. Yeah, I'm glad you stuck to the script this morning. Um, I want you to talk us through your go-to knots um, when it comes to fishing and the three must-know knots that you have to know how to tie. Now, I'm obviously, be, um, it's got to suit different style, like where you are. But I'm going to go mine. Yep, exactly right. But we all know, like, it's the difference between improving your fishing, being able to tie, you know, um, mono to, yep. to, uh, to braid um, or what have you. What are the three most important knots that people need to look up and need to learn how to tie? If you're learning how to tie braid to uh, mono, and this is just for your average fishing, yep. and there's a purpose I use this knot as well, but we won't go into that right now, but the uni knot comes number one, I think. I think yep. that's the all-round knot you can do. You can tie it to a hook, you can join braid with it, and you can tie it to swivels as well. Nothing. It doesn't slip. It doesn't pull on any material you tie it to. So, And you can join, like I said, which is great. It's a real challenge tying um, braids and mono. People can really struggle with it. Yeah. Well, the yep. next one I think you need to know if you're a lure fisherman or a cast fisherman, you need a slim knot, and the FG knot comes into play there. The FG knot is a very thin knot. Um, what I mean by a thin knot is it runs through the eyes of your rod very easy even if it's a small um, eyed rod uh, because when you're casting say for a tuna for for a barrel tuna of 150 kilo right down to a trout in um, wherever you are with a little with a little um, salter whatever it is yep. you need to have it come trying through trying to match the, the hatch yeah well, pretty much you, you, and you, but you need it to come through the eyes perfectly to get the distance you need and that's a good knot where the uni knot wouldn't work to advantage so uni knot's convenient FG knot suits your casting and another knot that I think is great for anyone that wants to get into game fishing or is a game fisherman um, that most people use this knot to join wind-on leaders onto their onto their rod, so they can then adjust, put a swivel on the end. Is your your plat? Your your I think it's probably actually called the Australian plat. I think they call it, but it's just a plat, P L A I T, and it's basically you you do a half hitch, I guess you could say, to to lock the knot off at the top, and then you plat the line down. There's many I do it about an inch and a half, and then you finish it off with a couple of other little tricks. It's pretty. It's actually a pretty easy knot, but that's your that's your your, your entry levels into game fishing as well. So if you are going to do it, um, that they're the three that I'd probably go to, Pat. What about uh, tying, let's just go literally hook to line. Yes. Um, the simplest knot you can recommend. I reckon the uni knot. I don't yep. think there's an easier knot. It's literally through the hook. It's sort of like a number six with the loop. So you just make a six and you just go back through it four times. Yeah. The blood knot's very easy too, but the blood knot... I was going to say, blood knot's the other one. The blood knot, if you don't lock it off properly, sometimes it can slip can though. Can tough, yeah. Or it can slip at the end, because if you don't put that extra half hitch in it, well, you know how people go through and they don't go back through the eye? Um, a lot of people just go in around seven times and that's it, but and twist it around seven times but and not go through the eye, which it can slip. So the uni knot's the easiest knot. Um, we fished during the week? We did. We fished on Wednesday and... This is your last weekend's opportunity to get down 
and fish the Otways and chase some trout because it closes on the 11th, I think it is. Um, so make sure if you're interested in chasing a trout this weekend, then you, you, you head down and do it now because you're going to miss your opportunity. Great just to get down the Otways. It was bloody freezing. There's a lot of water falling down those waterfalls. <laughs> well, we, compared to the last time we were there, when there I've never, no seen it, <laughs> never seen it lower, but just flicking it's those... The platypus had nothing to drink, Pat. Just flicking those celters, um, hitting those rock ledges, that slow and consistent retrieve. It was great to get a few brown trout, Redmond. And just another thing, if you're into the freshwater side of things um, and you're not into diving for crayfish, good news is June the 1st, so we've just passed that now, the Murray Cray uh, season is now open. And did you know that it is the world's, the world's second largest crayfish or species of freshwater crayfish? I do now. You do now. Not crayfish, freshwater crayfish. So if you are looking to target them, make sure you get your rules and regs into um, check it because there's some fine lines there you need to do. You check with eggs and also how you approach taking them uh, from wherever you are fishing for them. So check them out before you actually go ahead and do so. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventure Show, as well as Twitter and Instagram. Don't miss the RACV Marine Melbourne Boat Show from the 13th to the 16th of June. Redmond, we will be there. We're there on the 13th at about 2 o'clock. We're on stage. We're talking on stage some rubbish. So what are you going to talk about? Well, I'm going to talk a bit about boats. Um, really excited to see a few new models from around the, the sort of showrooms. We're going to go into a little bit greater detail next week on this, but Seafarer have their new six-metre hardtop, which yep. we're looking forward to see. North Bank have got their new enclosed seven-metre, uh, 750. And what about the Formula, Southern Formula? Southern Formula's 19 um, is being released. Yep. We'll be interesting to see how this is received by purists because we know... We'll yeah. have a, I reckon next week we'll have a... Fair old chat about this, I reckon. So you, reckon? you want me to hold it over a bit? Yeah, I can hold it off and we'll, we'll have a boat show review of what's coming up. So if you can make a bit of a plan of attack to look at these new boats on next week's show. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodridge. The BF Goodridge TAKM3. Built to climb, made to mud and created to conquer. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. It's time for All Aboard. Thanks to Dometic, mobile living made easy. Whether you're on the road or out at sea, Dometic has you covered. Our special guest this morning from the NT is Wade Kelly. Works at uh, Fishing and Outdoor World Run, but he's just spent two months off work, obviously not working hard at all. Morning, Wade. Morning, boys. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Thanks for joining us on this morning's show. How did, just quickly, the Barra Nationals end up for you guys? Were you fishing with, uh, I think, GT Buster you're good friends with? Yeah, yeah, DT Buster and um and Mick, yeah. So the Cast Boys, yeah, boys from Cast Mag. Now, obviously, you you write uh, for the magazine as well. It was a really tough Barra Nationals, though. It was, it was. I fished the classic beforehand, so I sort of um I sort of knew what we were up were up up against and in for. So um, yeah, it was really really tough. We got we only fished the first two days because we were there doing filming content, so weren't there for the full week. But yeah, I feel for the boys that were. Yeah, okay, quiet. <laughs> that's about where it's that's about where it's at. Now you you've had a couple of months off work of which you've basically just fished. How did you get that through Ronald and the boys at work and two how was the two months? Um yeah, well I've I've got so I only work there um I work there every now and then like part time and stuff, just helping out. Um so it wasn't too bad of Ronnie, he's pretty he's pretty good um with the fishing side of things, so if you sort of line up a bit of a trip he's quite happy for you to go and um 
yeah, support you with gear and all that sort of stuff. And then my work's really flexible, which is good as well, my full-time work. Um, and, yeah, the last two months was pretty amazing. Had a heap of stuff to heap of stuff on with um, with Cast Mag and um, a bit of a few film projects and, but, uh, like I said, the fishing comps and, yeah, just a bit of rec stuff with my old man and a few mates. It was good. For those that don't know about Cast Mag, fill us in with the details on, on what it's all about. Okay, so... Um, Mick Guthrie is the founder of um, of the mag. He started an electronic magazine a fair few years ago, um, and now they've gotten into clothing and apparel um, and yeah, content creation. So they do a lot of stuff um, with Shimano and um, other big big companies, and as well as yeah, just the small guys. A lot of local government stuff, um, doing stuff up here with NT Tourism just to promote the NT a bit, the million dollar fish, and yeah, it's really really broad. But yeah, it's awesome to work with them. So in terms of the, the content creation um, and how that's written up, one of the biggest challenges, obviously, whenever filming fishing is actually making sure there's fish to be caught because it's hard to have brilliant fishing content without the follow-up of the captures. Is that something that's difficult to do? Um, I guess so, yeah. We, I've been actually quite lucky. Mick's got a fair bit of good juju. Like We always end up um, picking up the trophy fish sort of right at the end of the project. Um, which, yeah, it gets a bit stressful towards the end, but then you always normally land the fish you want. But um, we sort of try and plan the projects around suitable tides and um, times of year and all that sort of stuff. So it normally always works out. Wade, for the next month or so coming into the NT, if anyone are heading up, is heading up there, what are we? What would we be targeting? Is it, Will the Barrett kick off a bit better, or are they going to stay how they've been for the past few weeks? Um, more so, yeah, so we've had a... Bit of a bit of a bad wet season this year, but um, there's yeah, still plenty of barrow around. And once they sort of, so the the, yeah, the cold weather sort of come in a bit. Once they sort of get used to that, they'll go back to normal. Um, but you'll just target them more on sort of um, around rock bars and and flats and stuff like that. Um, more drains, and they're feeding on sort of small jelly prawns and just smaller baits and stuff. But you still get them. Let's talk about uh, the gear for targeting barra. It's obviously the most famous fish in the Northern Territory. You could argue it's probably Australia's most famous fish. Um, what are you fishing with and what would you recommend for people that are um, getting into it for the first time? Um, obviously, Shimano's been a, a really popular brand in the Territory. Dyer was another one. But what are you specifically fishing with and recommending? Yep, um, I'm using a lot of Daiwa baitcasters at the moment. They've just um, really stepped up their game with the tech and, and um, the salt water friendliness of the reels and stuff, the durability and yeah, castability and stuff like that. So I'm using a lot of sort of 100, 200 size baitcasters, um, 20 to 30 pound braid, um, and then anywhere from 10 to 17 to 10 to 20 pound rods um i'm I'm i fancy the longer rods so the six six to seven foot threes um just get a bit of better casting distance and you can cast those smaller lures a lot nicer and stuff like small prawn imitations and vibes and things yeah wade give us your biggest barramundi Uh, my biggest is about 99.5 i reckon (laughs) 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 i've I've banged that many 99s it's ridiculous I won't lie to you. I'm, I'm a fisherman, and I reckon you could have stretched that out, or did you stretch it out to that? <laughs> this probably, yeah, probably could have. <laughs> no, I probably could have milked it to a metre, but then you sort of second-guess yourself whether you really did get a metre or not. So, uh, And I'm not that super invested in, in the in the big metres. I just love catching them. So, um, yeah, <laughs> one day. 
Let's talk uh, places that you visited and that you fished, uh, Wade. Your favourite destination to fish besides the NT, obviously, um, that's numero uno. Uh, okay, in Australia? In Australia, and then well, let's go worldwide as well. Righto. So in Australia, it has to be around Hinchinbrook Island off of Queensland, north of Townsville. Um, yeah, everything there from Barra to GTs, Pelagics, reef species, all your flat species, your permit and stuff. And yeah, it's just a really beautiful part of the country. I love it. Um, overseas, I've been to a few places. Um, I reckon Vanuatu, the Pacific Islands, would be right up there on the list because it's just, it's a really, really beautiful place. Um, people are beautiful and the fishing's untapped and absolutely amazing. Really big dog tooth tuna. Um, a lot of big wahoo, marlin, GTs. Yeah, it's it's pretty specky. I'm definitely going back there. What is the what is the one species that you've targeted, but you're still targeting? You haven't caught yet. Um, haven't, quite, <laughs> haven't quite got it. Um, the, the one meter uh, bar. I answered for it. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, no. It's actually a. Um, I'm chasing permit on fly up here. Um, I found a few last dry season on the mainland. Um, and I, there's very little information on them or the people with the information sort of won't let it out. So I'm sort of trying to catch a permit on my own fly out of my own boat on mainland NT. That's the goal this year. Talk us through your own boat. We love, well, you love boats, me actually. more specifically. I love boats, Wade. Um, what are you running yeah. I'm. I've got a um, Sportsman Masters 207. I just picked it up end of last year. Um, brand newy. Absolutely love it. Really good, sort of versatile. It's a bay boat, so it's What's about a, yeah six point one. Sorry. So, have you was that something that you've imported from overseas? Because obviously they're a, an overseas manufactured boat. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, so Sportsman have an Australian importer um, here down in Melbourne that um, that get them in, and he's he's great, easy to deal with, and um, yeah, really looks after you. So yeah, I got it in, and um, yeah, I've had it for yeah, say six months. Absolutely love it. Really versatile, sort of good blue water, good flats and estuarine. So really perfect for all our big rivers up here for doing big kilometres and stuff as well as offshore. It's great. Before we let you go, give me your report on on a bow-mounted trolling motor. I've got one on my boat. I absolutely love it. I know you've got one on yours because I've been stalking your uh, your social media. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, Minn Kota, you can't go past the new the new Minn Kotas, I reckon. They're, they've just... they've they're just the world leaders with that sort of tech, I reckon. Um, I've heard whispers of Lawrence bringing out a new one, but haven't seen any or heard of any yet. But, yeah, min code all the way. Uh, very good. If you want more information on Wade Kelly, you can follow him, Wade Kelly Fishing, on Instagram. Wade, thanks for giving us your time this morning on Real Adventures. My pleasure. Thanks very much for giving us a call. Thanks, Wade. Thanks, Wade. See you, boys. That was Wade Cowley for all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Now it's time for Red's review for BF Goodrich Tyres. Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres. And Redmond, you're going to kick us off initially with LED lights and how important they are um, to move to them. Out with the old, in with the new. It's time to replace your trailer lights. It's time to replace your internal boat lights. Yeah, we're well, going with the internal boat lights, the LED lights. A couple of things you want to have with them is... You, you want to have them very accessible too. So what I mean by that, you don't want them on the roof of a boat pad. You want to have them uh, tucked just inside the roof because the reasons for this, and I'm talking about the fishing side of things here, is you want to be able to move them with your hands. Now, for example, if you're fighting a fish, a big tuna, right into the dark, you want to be able to move that LED light 
to where you're fishing. Now, the good thing with LED lights, it's not like your traditional, your, your old school orange light. I guess, you, you, what do they call them? Your normal lights. Orange lights? Well, let's well, call them orange lights for they, this They review, look like orange lights. Which did traditionally absolutely suck your batteries dry. They if you smash. Were, that's a big yep. downfall with them. Yep. But if you're fighting a fish, you, can, you want to be able to ha- move them. You, you don't want them fixed. Because if you're fighting it, you need to be able to see in the water when you're gaffing a fish. And if I could advise anything, get them pushed over to the sides of the boat as far as you can to get them over the gunnels of the boat. Now, a lot of people don't think about these things when they, if you, when they go out to purchase a boat. Because they think, oh, yeah, floodlight's cool. I can see everything I'm doing on the deck. The deck's the easy part. It's what's in the water is the hard part, is when you're trying to net or gaffer fish yep. at night time. Um, another thing, like you said here, to save the batteries, oh, you, if you leave one of those orange lights on overnight, you're done. Your battery's done. Especially if you've been or, you know, you're going to go fishing for jewies overnight and you're turning everything off. Yeah. The beauty with the LEDs, no engine, yeah. they don't use any... They don't use any- Electricity. Exactly right. Um, another good question I get with your LED lights, Pat, is um, when to have them on when fishing. Now, it's really important when you target a species of fish to be able to see what you're doing. But I think a big factor is, I, know, I don't know if it's me just in your own head, but I know a lot of people are the same way as me, is do not have them on while you're fishing as such. Yeah. So if I'm fishing for a snapper in shallow water... Unless you've got them sit, uh, you know, those little strip lights you can yeah, get under strip, the gunnels now. They're good. They're, they're good. wonderful. I'm yep. so, sorry, I was more going... Your the deep, big floodies. Yeah, floodies. Yep. Sorry, I was more talking about them. But um, yeah, yeah, that, that's another good point there. You can run them off the back of your bait board, your LED strip lighting, which just lights up the tip of your rods enough to be able to see. Then obviously, and then you've got your floodlights behind you. The beauty of LEDs now is as well, you can actually get different coloured light. So if you get like a dark red light, you can still see. Some boats have that if you click the switch yep. on and off two times, it changes to red. Yep. Some people do have so that. So you can still see, yeah. but it's a different coloured light. It's not fluorescent, like yep. it's not bleed. But I, I, going back to the fishing side of things, if I was fishing at night for a dewfish, Pat, I wouldn't have the lights on. I'd have just nothing because I find that it's, it, it'll scare the fish. Same as if, even if I'm fishing a gummy shark at night in 15 metres of water, I don't have the lights on. At all. I, I've never dived at night to look up at the lights, but it'd be interesting to see if it was actually going to be there. Would it, what do you reckon? Would it be there? Uh, I think so. Like, if you're, if you're running your ocean LEDs, there's no doubt the fish can see them. So, they're, they're obviously... Yeah, well, then they're coming the, through. ...the in-hull lights that you can purchase. But if you're working topside, it's going to be slightly less. But still, when it comes to lighting, it's time to change over from the old, from the new. It's far more efficient. They're, they're a better quality light. If one does blow, well... The beauty of LEDs is there's hundreds of other lights that are all set up. Um, in the same little area. Yep. Set up in that. Any uh, prices in that there in front of you at all? Well, it depends what you're using. Like, ocean LEDs are going to set you back. Uh, you know, so these are the ones in the water? They're the ones that are yep. built into the into the hull and into the water. They're an expensive light, but they're also really good quality. Um, but if you're looking for something that's just fixed off the side of the boat, then there's there's cuter queen lights um, that you can get for about 40 bucks for a pack of five. Um, LED master lights... You know, there's a whole lot of different lights that you can you can find and really just, quite just easily. a little fact for you as well with your lights. I'm pretty sure, Pat, that your floodlights you can't you're not actually allowed to aim them out off your boat. No, they're, they're, they're going to be they have to be down. like legally. Yep. I think they have to be positioned down at all times. So um, we love referencing bargain boat bits, and bargain boat bits have um, a great range of LED slimline lights, well under a hundred bucks. You obviously need to have them. Um, wide in, but they're not actually that expensive um, to purchase initially. Now, the other part of our review today is a CF11. Um, It's a compressor fridge. The portability of this is excellent. So this is the fridge that basically will sit in the middle of the console of your car when traveling, um, which 
if we're talking about CFXs, one of the big challenges with a big fridge is purely its size. They're yep. difficult to move around. The beauty of the CF11, it's really small. It's very compact. Comes with a carry strap. Um, plugs in the main powers now. There's 12 and 20 volt, 24 volt power adapters. Um, external drink holders. So if you do want to replace the console in your car, which a lot of people are fridge, doing, a lot of people are doing this. Exactly. Um, you can do it quite easily and still have your holders there. Um, fits perfectly in the middle seat. So we spoke about the the portability of it. It's eight and a half kilos. It's got a ten and a half liter capacity. And with these fridges, Redmond, the important part um, and the the best way to get them working um, is that you actually load them up with with food or or drink. You don't want them. Um, you don't want a block of cheese, and that's the only thing you're trying to keep cold, because it doesn't have a um, an internal fan. The best way and the most efficient way for them to work is for you to actually fill them up. Um, this particular model, um, the the um, the mechanism to keep it cool um, is is oversized, so it doesn't stress the motor out, yep. um, which is an important part of what the um, Dometic range provide. Um, and the, probably the thing that I look at and go, the ease of use, if you're grocery shopping and you want something cool and you're travelling an hour and a half home, it's perfect to sit inside the middle console. It's perfect when you're heading back to Mog's Pack. It's a bit of a drive to the LCU market for you. Well, exactly right. So it's, you know, it's not that difficult. That was Red's review. This is Real Adventures. For BF Goodrich Tyres, what are you building for? Time for the whip around for Big Four, Australia's favourite holiday parks. Yes, it is now time for the whip around for Big Four, Australia's favourite holiday parks. Your next summer break is waiting for you at bigfour.com.au. Explore and book today. And Pat, if you're fishing around the Ballarat area, make sure you stay at the Big Four Ballarat Windmill Holiday Park, Victoria. And you have not stayed there. No, I haven't, but I'm going to plan to stay there Who's next. Who's up first? Barry Sullivan for realbrand.com.au. Morning, Baz. Morning, Patrick. Morning, Aaron. How are we, boys? Going no, not too bad, Baz. How's the uh, fishing been up your way? Well, uh, fishing has been still reasonably good on multiple fronts, actually. We've got um, cod still uh, active, especially at Lake Mulwala. There's a few good cod being caught. Uh, I've been fishing out in the river behind home and uh, still managed to catch uh, a couple of reasonable-sized trout cod and murray cod uh, using chatterbaits. Um and it's also, uh, season has now opened for the Murray Spiny Freshwater Cray, which is uh, something that a lot of people target. And, uh, yeah, a few of those being caught on the opening weekend. Baz, is it true you had to drop the dax the other day and get in the water? I tell you what, this is a great poll that you could conduct for uh, some of your listeners. If you really love your lure and uh, your river fishing and you snag up, uh, how often would you be prepared to go across and get it? And I must admit, uh, yes, I did actually have to strip off and uh, retrieve my favourite chatterbait, and uh, <laughs> it was absolutely freezing. At one stage there, I thought uh, I was going to lose some vital parts of my organs. <laughs> Baz, speaking of cold weather, how's the uh, the weather affected the fishing? Uh, look, it definitely slows it down for the for the cod. Um, and you know you still have to you have to work really hard for them, but on the trout side of things, it definitely picks it up. Uh, and there's been reports of some good trout being caught in the upper reaches of the King River, um, a special spot behind Delzotto Wines. There, there's a stretch of King River water that uh, is quite productive. And in addition to that, um, 
you know, the, the like I said, the Murray spiny freshwater cray, uh, it's a great time of the year to get them. Uh, you just have to be aware of your limits. You can only catch two. Uh, and also, if you catch one that's in berry or it's got eggs, uh, they have to be returned. And you've got to make sure you know all your regs about the uh, legal limits there. They've got to be between 10 and 12 centimetres um, for the length of the carapace, um, which is very important to know. Barry Sullivan for realbrand.com.au. Thanks, Baz. No worries, boys. Have a good one. Up next, Jim Credlin from JC's Bait and Tackle. Morning, Jim. Morning, fellas. How are you? Going not too bad. Take us through everything that's biting, Jim. Yeah, look, it's been a bit, uh, the past week's been a bit quietish on the riverfront with the cold weather we've had. It's been, uh, like everywhere, it's been pretty cool. But the guys that have been getting out have been getting fish. So, as we well know, this is the time of the year when big cod start moving. So you might not get numbers, but you will get some decent-sized fish. Look, guys heading to Wentworth, uh, had a couple of photos sent to me. A guy and his son, they got a, a couple of nice yellows, 45 and a 40 centimetre. And they got a nice 70-centimetre cod that was on a light-coloured orgy. Um, here at Swan Hill, look, they're getting some good size, uh, good size cod taking lures and bait. Uh, there was an 80 centimetre caught on a black and purple JD python uh, yesterday near Murray Downs. Um, had some photos also sent in. One young, well, one broke. He got his first cod. Look, it was only 44 centimetres, but to him it was a PB. Yeah. And then he got another photo. That's, that's bigger than Aaron's ever caught, uh, Jim. <laughs> hey, I actually, I've caught a cod. Yeah, I reckon it was about 20 centimetres. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got, a, he got a second PB the day after. He got a 57. So, well, he's doing um, better than me as well. Yeah, mate. So that was on a black orgy with a red uh, red head. Um, another 43 centimetres, and he can join the meter club. Um, <laughs> the Murr- <laughs> I thought he was telling a story uh, about me then. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, uh, on, on the Murrumbidgee River, mate, uh, the Maud Weirpool pool, sorry, is uh, producing uh, some yellows and reasonable sized cod on both on bait and lures. So look, um, this weekend the weather's have been uh, going to be a little bit more conducive to fishing with 18 degrees forecast for today and Sunday, and think on Monday, so a bit better than 12 to 14. And just anybody that's um, coming up this way, contemplating um, catching crays, which they do every uh, every June long weekend, I send me get guys coming in. The rivers are still closed in, the, in this area, have been since the uh, the first Blackwater event, which uh, decimated a lot of, a lot of the, um, the stock we had. So, um, yeah, if they're contemplating coming up this way, uh, don't worry about bringing your, bringing your nets, because um, you can only fish in the, uh, in the Murray between the Hume, Weir, and the Tokamall uh, Road Bridge, and on the, Mur- at, um, on the Murrumbidgee between Gundagai Bridge and the Berrimid Weir near Narandra. So, uh, when the season will get, when the, when the rivers will be open here, no one knows. But anyway, it's um, that's the way it is. Have to fly out of the seat of our pants for a little bit, won't we, Jim? Yes, mate. Exactly. They've said the guys, guys around this weekend, they should get some reasonable good fish. They fish that they trial lures because the bait's not around in the, in, the, in the rivers anymore. The yabbies are gone back into the mud, and the shrimp are pretty hard to find. So um, the cod will be chasing whatever moves, whether it be on top of the water or uh, or in the water with a lure. Trawling's the key. Jim Credlin from yeah. JC's Bait and Tackle in Swan Hill. If you're in the Swan Hill region, make sure you pop in and say good day. Say good day. And to grab Jim yourself and a red boys. orgy. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Alice. Up next, Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters joins us to give us the wrap on Portland a little bit at home. Morning, Chris. 
How you going, Aaron? Not too bad, mate. We got a uh, Patrick wants to know when can he come fishing. Well, well every time we look on uh, <laughs> your social media at the moment, Chriso, um, it's just loaded, chock full of tuna. Um, it's been fishing super well. It has. That it has. It's been such um, such a good season for us this year, and um, I think we've just got the. It's just going to get better. I think. I, I, I seriously, I think we've got more to come. Talk us through the uh, the lures you've been using. What's been successful for you? This weekend special, or the weekend just gone special, would have been uh, light squid would have been my favourite. So we were running a lot of light squid. It's a, Chris- it's amazing. Sorry, go, go no, ahead. You go, no, you go, you go. It's amazing when you run a spread of nine lures <clears throat> and you get a three-way on the exact same lure, but the other six don't get touched at all, time after time after time. It's just funny how they they pick the ones they want out of a nine-way spread, you know? It's, um, and that what you say there, we always talk about it on the show, don't we, Pat, saying basically matching the hatch. Like, you know, you use what is working or what they're feeding on. Yeah, yeah, but it's just bizarre. Like, it's, um, yeah, it makes me wonder. It does. Now, I've got a question for you, Chris. So, for those that are uh, heading down to Portland, a lot of people will be chasing the schoolfish, and a lot of people will be chasing your barrel bluefin tuna. Now, there was a lot of barrels caught during the week. What What's the difference separating the schoolfish from the barrels? Well, the schoolfish have been in a different area. So, the schoolfish we've been getting is more to sort of 100 metres from Cape Nelson to Bridgewater. Yep. And the barrels have just been in that 45 to 60 metres pretty much out the front of the rock. So if you want to chase barrels and you don't want to get hassled by the schoolfish, I would say just stick with those bait balls in 45 to 50, 60 metres and don't move from there. And and eventually those fish will come up and, and have a chew and it's just a matter of being in the right spot at the right time, I think. Is there anything happening back home, uh, Portfold Bay Heads region? I've been a bit busy at Queenscliff, uh, sorry, at Portland this week, so um, I'm not too sure on that side, Aaron. I think you might probably give us a bit more there. Chris, I did three days and didn't catch a whiting, so that's Chris Vasileski <laughs> from Gorn Fishing. <laughs> sorry, Chris, I, caught, I, had a, I had a shock off for three days in a row, but that's all right. Well, that's fishing, mate. We all we, we, we know that. <coughs> that's why we go to the professionals and we go to you, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> whoops. Go, go Thanks. to where the fish are. <laughs> yeah, we'll work on getting you down there as soon as we can, eh? That mid-season break is coming up. Chris Fasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. Thanks for giving us your wrap on Portland this week, Chris. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. That was the whip around for Big Four. Big Four, Australia's favourite holiday parks. Now, Patrick? Now it's time for the Social Club. Thanks to BF Goodrich Tyres. What are you building for? You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventure Show to join in the conversation. And we've got our squid competition giveaway. So send in a photo of when you've been squidded or inked uh, for your chance to win a real brand hoodie as well as we're going to give away hats right throughout the week because we've had so many photos sent through so make sure you join in the conversation for that Uh, Matthew Costello Redmond um, what's the most important thing you look for when comparing uh, brands of terminal tackle from one to another so uh, whether it's Mustad, whether it's Gamagatsu, um, Jarvis, Walker, what, what, what are the things that you look at when we're talking hooks? And let's go swivels today. Oh, same as you when you're choosing your footy boots, Paddy. Whoever's paying you the most? <laughs> <laughs> <I can't. laughs> 
<laughs> Too far? I choose the best, and that's why I choose Nike. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I'm being serious here, too, with my hooks. I've used Gamagatsu hooks for my whole life. Yep. Now, I've tried others. Even when on the chartered boats, the chartered boats use uh, different hooks. I stick to a brand that I trust. Now, I know and they're very, very popular. So most they are, they are a popular hook, too. They are very well respected. And they're it's, expensive. They're very expensive. They are expensive. But the... I don't know. When I'm choosing terminal tackle, um, I like to spend money than not spend money. Yep. And what I mean by that is, um, for example, you go buy it to the to the shore to us uh, to the shore to the store to buy uh, swivels for say going to chase a barrel bluefin tuna. You can buy a pack of ten swivels, Pat, for ten bucks that are massive, and they'll hold. They'll probably hold a hundred and fifty kilo tuna, no worries. Yeah, but. You look behind the counter and you speak to the guy and goes, what do you recommend for a swivel for a bluefin tuna? And they'll pull out a swivel, probably the same size as your fingernail and a little bit more, that is tiny, that holds double the weight of what that big one does. Now, the benefit you get here is when you're trolling a lure, you've got to remember that lures, the surface lure works on the surface. So it's skinning across the surface. That big swivel, the join in that in that um, from your wind-on leader to your actual leader itself will create bubbles, movement, and not a natural look in the water. Yep. Hence why the smaller swivels I would pay the money for. Yep. A hook, I wouldn't buy those hooks online eBay for $50 for 500 packs of hooks, whatever it is. I would go and get a Gamagatsu hook purely because it works and they don't break. Those other ones will rust in seconds. They don't work. I've, I've, don't, trust me, I've been... T- Tight ass, my whole when I was younger, and I used to buy them. I really <laughs> Still did. A tight-ass, I yeah. really did, and I used to. And they they work once maybe, and then, or they can break on you, and you don't trust them. I think the key with terminal tackle, if you're fishing for flathead, Pat, let's be honest, you probably get away with something. Yep. But if you're testing the limits of, of of a proper species of fish and chasing the fish of a lifetime, a dream, exactly right. And you want to catch 150 kilo tuna, you've already spent 150 bucks on fuel for the day. Spend spend that forty dollars on that pack of swivels to benefit you. So I think. Spending the money is well and truly worth it. Dave Cobra, hey boys, can you catch flounder in the shallows around the Ballerine? Now, I dare say this is something you've probably done right throughout your childhood. I have, Redmond. but I'm just going to go with no, you can't because I want to give away my secrets. <laughs> you it's, clearly can. I don't catch them. I don't actually catch them in rods. I actually catch them by floundering, spearfishing. Yep. So I actually go out there in the shallows. Um, it's cold this time of the year. Generally at dusk. Yeah, or even after. Like yep, I like the sun. The, the darker it gets, the more that comes into the shore. Yep. Now, when you're out there floundering, I use a tinny. So we go out in the tinny and we putt around just in gear. Someone drives, someone has the flounder. We have a net and a gaff. So we net garfish and net squid and spearfish. Dipping? A dipping. We dip. Yep. I don't even know if it's legal, but we do. <laughs> no, I think it is. <laughs> but we go out and we target these. Um, so we target the flounder, and you just want to be in shallow water. Um, we use the tinny, so we can get into what we just say, Pat. Uh, knee deep below. Yeah. So we get quite shallow, and it is so much fun to do. I recommend having a head torch on and a flounder light. So and it's use, great for getting kids into fishing. Oh, it's well. awesome. Winter's cold, but using the flounder light, I strongly recommend using the flounder light underwater. Yeah. And I know this sounds dumb, but I when I started, I used to use. Is just a head torch to look in the water, which you can see, but the flounder light makes that much of a difference. And you can get them for about 40, 50, 60 bucks, Pat, from a store, and they hook straight onto your battery. But wearing the head torch as well, what happens is if you say you find the flounder on the ground with the flounder light, Pat, 
you can then pull that out of the water and still have your head torch and you know where it is. You can see where it is. The other thing, Redmond, uh, the Neptune battery-operated prawn light, which is exactly the same yeah. thing. So basically, these are handheld. So rather than yeah. having to hook onto a battery, for about 50 bucks, and you can get these from BCF, you can get them from Anaconda, you literally you put it underwater and um, it automatically turns on. So if you are going to get serious into your, your floundering, um, as well as a head torch, these are absolutely perfect. And there's plenty on offer when you are flattered. The flattered you get, Pat, you can get 15 flattered in a night that are 50 to 80 centimetres. Like, they're bigger than what you catch on rod and reel. So, it's well worth um, getting into. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Adventure Show to join in the conversation for our social club. Make sure you get into the squid competition for your chance to win a real brand hoodie as well as plenty of hats to give away. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tires. Escape with BF Goodrich Tires. You're listening to Real Adventures for the BF Goodrich TAKM3. Built to climb, made to mud, and created to conquer. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tyres, Escape with BF Goodrich Tyres. If you've got a photo of you being squitted or inked, Redmond, make sure you post it on our Real Adventures Facebook page for your chance to win a real brand hoodie. And can you stop dropping your pen? That's the third time I've done it today. I don't reckon I've ever done it before. You know Red- what it is? I'm sitting in a room and it is freezing cold. I can't feel my fingers. Red's tip for New Age Caravans. Visit your New Age Caravan dealer today. Start your summer adventure with a New Age Caravan. NewAgeCaravans.com.au Now, coming off the back of what you just said, Patrick, we probably shouldn't say this tip because we like the social media content coming in, but... We do love our social media I'm going to help you not get inked. Now, I see on the water every day hundreds of people netting squid. Now, the only time that you should accept netting squid is if you can't reach the water. Yep. Otherwise, there's two tricks you can use. One, this is to stop you from getting inked. If you've got a squid on, say, I'm going to go kilo and less, like probably 900 grams and less, yep. you can lift that up with your rod tip. Quite you comfortably. Yep. 99.9% of the time, it's not going to ink until a squid touches something. This is out of the water. So as you lift it out of the water, it won't ink until it touches something. So what I do is I lift it up with my inflict rod, I grab the squid jig, and then I turn it upside down and the squid falls into my live bait tank You most of the time. You are running a really... Really I was laughing at you. Tough line here. Covered because, you last time. Yeah, but you did cover yourself with 99.9% of the time because people are going to start to do this. And if they get inked, this is coming back on you. Well, maybe I'm just that real good at it. <laughs> back to what I was saying. It won't ink. Another one is netting a squid. The problem is what happens when you net a squid? People are trying to avoid the ink. The squid doesn't actually... They don't run out of ink as such. If they have water, they can keep reproducing the ink. So when you net that squid and you leave it in the water, it can still ink in the net. Then all of a sudden, your net's all inky. You bring it in the boat and it can still ink. What you do is you reach over the side, you grab your leader, you grab the squid by the back of its neck there, and then they can't bite you if you grab it there, and pull it into the boat, chuck it into the tank, and it won't ink either. They just they don't do it. Well, send us in your feedback to see if that it is works. indeed true. It works. That was Red's tip for New Age Caravans. It's time for the Flying Gaff, Redmond. The Flying Gaff this week is heading to Dominic Time. Team. Okay. Who's he? Fisherman? No, he's not. He's a tennis player. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, heading, uh, heading to France um, because he has cracked it with Serena Williams after he was booted out of his own press conference because the Queen had uh, suffered an early exit. Fair call. No, 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 it's not. What do you mean? No, the, the gaff is going to Dominic because, mate, when the queen comes through, when the goat comes through and she wants your room, regardless of whether you're the men's number four, 
No one cares about you, Dominic. Right. Get out of the room. Get out of the room. Serena's coming through. Well, she's going to be. She she she's not going to be happy. Get out of the way. <laughs> I would hate to see her angry too. No, oh, absolutely. Did she lose that? Game you think or win? you think competition organisers saying, "Oh no, you you just just wait here, Serena." No, nah, they're saying, "Dominic, get out of the room." And no one can, cares about you complaining, old cock. So just <laughs> move out of the way. That was there you go. <laughs> the Flying Gaff. Don't miss the RACV Marine Melbourne Boat Show from the 13th to the 16th of June. Real Adventures are going to be there on the Thursday. We're going to do our pre-record of our show, so make sure you join us for that. This has been Real Adventures for BF Goodrich Tires. What are you building for? I'm going fishing. Well, I might come. <laughs> Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.